Black World, the Black Business School. And um, I wanted to come in today for a second and um, talk to you guys about uh, something that was just on my brain today. And I really thought that it was worth uh, kind of breaking down for you and discussing. Um, the uh, the issue has to do with Black wealth. And um, and somebody asked me this question, and, uh, and, and it's been heavy on my brain because um, we've been doing the Powernomics Masterclass for a while. And uh, in the middle of that, I realized that perhaps uh, this is the kind of thing that we could uh, learn a little bit from. Um, so first of all, hello, everybody. Uh, if you're watching on Instagram, my Instagram is The Real Boyce Watkins. Uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram. And also you can go to drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. So here's what um, I was thinking about today. Uh, you know, so right now, everybody's talking about the election. Everybody's getting really caught up in you know, who's going to win. And, and people are real excited. And, um, and I, and I don't like being the guy that, that rains on anybody's parade. I'm not here to do that. But uh, I, I, but this, but times like this, honestly, are the opportunities for you to show that you consistently believe what you consistently believe. Um, I don't change my pers- opinion or perspective based on where the crowd is going, because my goal is to be smarter than the crowd in the sense that if you, if, if, if the crowd's being led down a ditch, then I'm just going to be the guy who gets you know left out. I'm okay with that. Um, <clears throat> so uh, right now, as we're dealing with the election, um, and I see a lot of people that are really happy about uh, Biden beating Trump, which uh, you know it looks like he's going to do, and I think that's fine. I, I want to dig in a little bit and break down something for you that um, that really applies if you're a person that cares more about black people than you care about white people. Uh, so everybody who cares about black people, who puts black people first. Uh, say something in the chat. Hashtag B1. The hashtag is hashtag B1. That's how we identify each other. Hashtag B1 in the chat. If you put black people first, uh, if you put black people above white people, if, if you put black people above the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, you put black people above all these other issues, then uh, hashtag B1 in the chat, because this is this is the only way we can have the conversation because it has to be focused. The big problem is that a lot of the conversations lose their focus and then when you lose focus, you don't accomplish anything. You, you try to become so, you know, everything to everybody. So you become nothing to no one. Right. So uh, here's what um, I want to break down for you. I want to ask you guys a basic question. Very simple question. Um, we have uh, it, once this election's over and, and, and Kamala Harris is, is uh, vice president and everything else and Joe Biden's in the White House. Will this have been the first time? that black people uh, showed up in droves to vote for a candidate? Yes or no? Is this the first time black people have voted in an election? Yes or no? Give me a yes or no in the chat. These are a bunch of, I'm going to ask you a series of very stupid questions and I want you to give me just simple answers. Yes or no? Is this the first time black people have ever voted in an election? Or or do we vote in every election? Yes or no? Okay. Second question I want to ask you is this. Um, in all the elections that we voted, have we consistently supported the Democratic Party? Uh, give me a yes or no. Have we always shown up for the Democrats? Yes or no. Give me a yes or no if we've always been there for the Democrats, unlike anybody else. Like we've really like just ride or die, show up, save, you know, save the town, save democracy from whatever the scary threat is. It's like it's like watching a repetitive TV show where in every single show they give you a villain that looks like the villain can't be defeated and the villain's going to kill everybody. But then at the end of the show, the hero always comes through and, and, and saves you from, saves the town from the villain or saves the world from destruction. Right. So, so, you know, the answer is yes. Right. We, we, we show up, we vote, we do what we're supposed to do. We're always in, we're in with both feet. No question about it. Okay. So 
Uh, let me ask you another question. Let me switch my Wi-Fi. Uh, I'm going to disappear. Give me a yes in the chat if you can see me and hear me because I had a Wi-Fi issue just now. And uh, I don't I, I apologize if I disappear for a second. Um, OK, so give me a yes or no if you can see me and hear me. OK. All right. So, uh, OK, good. I'm back. All right. So here's um, here's the other question I want to ask you. In the last 60 years, uh, have black people moved forward in education uh, or economics? Yes or no. Have we gotten more educated than we were before the civil rights movement or, you know, or less educated? Are we wealthier now than we were then, or has our wealth gone backward? So yes or no, have we moved forward? Give me a no if we move backwards. Yes, if we've made progress. No, if we haven't made progress. Yes or no, have, has our community made progress? I mean, since Malcolm X was giving speeches back in the 1960s, explaining politics to us, a lot of our folks won't listen. We're, we're not listening, right? Have we made progress since that time? Um, I say the answer is no. If you look at most measuring sticks of of quality of life, uh, we have not gotten better. Uh, our families are more broken apart than they than they've ever been. Um, our education is is horrible. Uh, they they tested all the kids in Baltimore. A third of them can't read or can't write or can't do math at, at grade level. I'm sorry, I scratched that. I, I mean, I meant to say, oh, I said it wrong. They went through one third of the students in Baltimore. Not one single child could pass the basic math test. Not one single child could pass the basic reading test. So that that's how terrible it is, right? Wealth, we know what's going on with wealth. Wealth is going backward. Um, you know, I see a lot of people that are very upset, very sad that uh, that all the proje- projections say that black wealth is going to drop to zero by the year 2053. Now, I'm a financial scientist. My PhD is in finance, which means that I've studied this problem extensively, and I know exactly what the problem is, and I know exactly what the solution is. A big part of the problem isn't just white people. A big part of the problem is you. You are a big part of the problem. Uh, you're, you're no different from when I, where I was when I was overweight and I knew exactly what I needed to do to lose weight, but I didn't want to let go of the Fritos, Doritos, ice cream, and Twizzlers, right? Um, I knew what I needed to do to lose weight, but I didn't want to get up and exercise because I wanted to stay in bed. I wanted to chill out, sit back with the remote control and watch TV, right? I knew what I needed to do. I just, I didn't want to eat health food. I wanted to eat fat, salty, greasy, sugary crap. And so I would eat the fat, salt, salty, greasy, sugary crap. I didn't exercise at all. Um, I, I went straight for the Twizzlers and the ice cream section whenever I went to the grocery store. And guess what? I kept getting fatter. My health kept getting worse. I kept my blood pressure kept going up. Why? Well, because I was stuck on stupid. I refused to change. I was I was incarcerated by my habits. So when I think about that, and I think about the fact that it wasn't until I had tough love from a woman who loved me enough to tell me about myself, to get in my face and say, boys, if you keep doing this, this is going to kill you. Um, you know, uh, if, if, if I had not gone through that process, I never would have changed. Up until that point, I was trapped by my habits and I didn't want to hear anything different. I got mad when you challenged my thinking. Well, right now, unfortunately, we have a lot of black people who are stuck in their habits. You know, you're trapped in a box of white supremacy that you are have built. You built that cage. You love that cage. You love being in that box. When, whenever somebody comes along and tries to liberate you from the box, you get mad about it. The same way I used to get mad when Alicia would try to liberate me from obesity. I would get pissed. I'd be like, leave me alone. I don't want to go running. I don't want to exercise. I'm going to do just fine. I got I got this. I'm going to figure this out. Right. 
And so a lot of times, um, you know, what you're really seeing is you're seeing, you know, addiction, addiction to very bad economic habits. And here's the, here's the thing. Right. And you also find in another type of addiction, which is the addiction to celebrating things that aren't going to make a difference. So you celebrate every time the Democrats win an election. Um, I see black people dancing. I saw a video of some black people dancing in the, in the polling office. Um, I see the memes. I see all the excitement and everything else. And I'm happy for you. If you're happy, I'm happy for you. But I just dare to say to you, I dare anybody. I dare you to prove to me that getting Democrats elected is going to has improved the black community ever. I dare you. If you can prove it to me, if you can send me evidence that I am wrong, that Democratic Party elections have improved the status of the black community, then I will shut the fuck up right now. I won't. I, I will. I will let it go. But a lot of people um, just don't. You know, they, they they say stupid stuff like this dumbass. You know, Doc, are you are you covertly angry that Biden won? I don't give a fuck if Biden wins because I know Biden winning or losing does not make a difference in my life. That's the ad, that's the behavior of an addict. An addict wants to smoke the crack, even though they know the crack is going to kill them. So they will fight you. An addict will fight you if you take away his crack pipe. Like Halle Berry in, in, um, in uh, what was that movie, uh, Jungle Fever? Remember Halle Berry and Samuel Jackson when they were the two crackheads and they would fight each other over the crack pipe? Give me that crack, motherfucker! I need, uh, give me the pipe now! Right? Like, that's what you got. You get, you get, you have that, that. So, so what, what people tend to do, this is something I've learned from, from, you know, uh, just from therapists. I know a lot of therapists because Alicia's one is one thing that you do when somebody challenges your thinking and tells you something you don't want to hear, you deflect. You gaslight. You say, well, well, you're just mad because Biden won the election. Well, what the fuck does that have to do with what I just asked you? I just asked you to show me where black people have benefited from getting their political party elected. Like you, you, you can't answer that question. So you go to another issue. Well, now, well, now you you just secretly a Trump supporter. Well, what if I fucking was? What if I was? You still didn't answer the damn question. You did not answer the question. Why did you not answer the question? Because you can't answer the question. You didn't answer the question because you're afraid to answer the question. You didn't answer the question because you sucking on the crack pipe to the point where you can't let that go. You want that white supremacy crack pipe so that when the next election cycle comes along, they can scare you back into doing exactly what they want you to do. They want you to stay in the cage because a caged animal is always desperate. A caged animal never feels empowered. A caged animal will always do what you tell him to do. They don't they don't want they don't want you to have freedom. So Anyway, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button, share and subscribe button if you haven't done it yet. And uh, also, um, don't forget Dr. Claude Anderson. Now, we do a Poweronomics masterclass. We meet every week and talk to students and we're going through Poweronomics. And it's a great book. And uh, I highly suggest you take a look at it. Um, And I'm going to read a section on this book. One of the things Dr. Anderson points out that's really fascinating is he talks about um, he talks about how we've had over 7000 black elected officials. 7,000, thousands of them, Negroes dancing in the street because we got somebody black elected. And yet, despite all these black elected officials, you've had very little progress in the black community. Well, why is that? Well, he explains that that politics is driven by economics. I explained this to you guys the other day. Capitalism is like the big brother. Politics is the little brother. The big brother bullies the little brother. So capitalism, the capitalists give money to politicians to tell them what to do. And voters matter. Voters are the little sister beneath the little brother. 
So boulders, you're you're the little sister that's younger than the little. So you're the five year old sister. You got your eight year old brother who's being bullied by your 15 year old brother. Right. So the 15 year old is telling the eight year old to go get the five year old to go climb up on top of the refrigerator and get some cookies before mama gets home from work. Right. So. So. And and then when the five year old climbs the refrigerator and grabs the cookies, she gives them to the eight year old who then says, "Okay, I got you the cookies. I got I got I got I got I got Teresa to go climb the refrigerator and get the cookies. The the little girl doesn't get any of the cookies. She gives it. She's like, well, I thought we were going to have some cookies. He's like, no, there are no cookies for you. The eight year old gets one cookie that the 15 year old gives him as part of the negotiation. So they've made an agreement that we're going to get our little sister to go climb on the refrigerator and get the cookies, and then we'll share the cookies. But really, we're not sharing because I'm going to take the bulk of the cookies. So that that's American politics in a nutshell. The capitalists manage the politicians, and they put they, they pay, you know, remember, it costs $14 billion to run these political races. Black people don't have money at a level that allows them to truly compete in politics. And then when they pay them the money, they pay the money so they can go get the voters, the little sister. So they pay the money. They say, here, I'm going to give you billions of dollars so you can manipulate the voters and get them to vote for you. And then when they put you in power, you're going to serve me. You're going to take care of me. Right. So the voters, the little sister at the bottom of the the, the totem pole are excited to help out. They just want to be involved. Right. You, you, your heart is in the right place. Like you really want to believe in the greatness of America. You've really bought into this American dream. Right. Which I, I personally have it. I'm not as optimistic as you. I don't like white people as much as you do. I don't trust America as much as you do. I don't trust integration. I think I'm not afraid to say the civil rights movement was a deflection. It was a failed strategy. It did not work. It did not work. It doesn't mean I'm trying to be mean. I know John Lewis has been, you've been trained to believe he's your hero. But if you go back and study the Biden crime bill, the Biden crime bill, did y'all know this? The Biden crime bill wasn't actually going to get passed. Um, Biden and Clinton could not get the Congressional Black Caucus on board. A few of them actually saw what the crime bill was going to do to their communities. It was John Lewis who actually was the catalyst to get it pushed through. Right. So I I know John Lewis is dead and I know that some people have been trained to see him as a hero. He's not a hero to me. You know, it's like when when Chuck D said Elvis was a hero to most. Right. Well, John Lewis was a hero to most, but he's not my hero. He's not my hero. My heroes are Marcus Garvey. My heroes are Malcolm X. My heroes are Muhammad Ali. Those are my heroes. So maybe if your heroes are different from my heroes, that's okay. We just got different heroes. Because I, I started reading books like Poweronomics, and I'm, I'm I'm looking at a different reality than you're looking at. And the reason I think this re- reality is one that you might want to consider is because I need you to ask yourself a question that only you can answer. I can't answer this for you. Has your reality gotten you the results that you're looking for? Yes or no? I mean, has, has your reality gotten the empowerment for your community? Has your reality created possibilities for your community or more devastation? When you go to black neighborhoods, do you see possibility and progress and success on a on a massive scale or do you see failure and death and decay and destruction? Right. So so I, I go to new realities because I look at the old realities and I, 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 I learn how to question everything. Not everybody can do that. So one of the things that he reads, let me let me just read this to you. Uh, this is from Poweronomics, uh, page 191. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button if you haven't done it yet. And also, there's a URL for the masterclass. It's PowerNomicsMasterclass.com if you ever want to join us. And also, by the way, you can text the word voice to 31996 if you'd like to get on the text list. Text voice to 31996. I'd love for you all to join us in supporting and building black media because I'm going to tell you the truth. 
I lose a lot of friends by talking this way. I lose a lot of friends by telling my truth. When I was a little boy, my mother used to say, boy, your mouth will either make you great or get you killed. I'm curious to see which one. She used to say that when I was 10 because I had this thing in me where if I felt like something was true, I couldn't walk away from the truth. It didn't matter. My mother would say, if you if you open your mouth one more time, you're going to get a whooping. I'm going to smack you. And I'd be like, but mama, I got to say this. I got because that's not right. I just could. It, I don't know why it would just come. It was like a truth serum was injected in my arm. I And I'd be like, why are you saying this, boys? You know, you're going to get smacked. But I would say it anyway because I couldn't help it. So right now, honestly, you know, there's a lot of black people I think I could really help. There's a lot of black people like the, the church crowd or the Ricky Smiley crowd or the Tom Jordan morning show crowd. I want to help them. I look at them and I say, my God, you're in, you, your lives suck. Some of you, you're, you're, you're complaining about racism all the time. Your children are, 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 are all are getting screwed over. You're, you're, you're sort of being slapped around by white supremacy. I think I have a solution for you, but it, it doesn't come out that way. I offend people. I offend a lot of people. So those who I don't offend or those who get what I'm saying, I, I want to, I, I, I ask for your help directly to build black media so we can at least know where we can go to be safe from all the ridiculousness. I feel like I live in a world that is surrounded by some of the most ridiculous coonery imaginable. And as much as I'd like to be able to say that I have the patience to work through that, that I can sit back and just kind of, you know, quietly uh, and patiently wait another 100 years for black people to get it. I can't do that. I cannot do that. I I literally am jumping in the car and saying, let's go, y'all. Come on, let's just go, man. They, they, y'all just, y'all, they can stay over there. We'll, we'll come get them later, right? Our children will come get them in the next generation. Our children will be the business owners and they're going to own major corporations. They can hire their children because their children are being trained to be slaves. So we'll go and liberate slaves by giving them a better type of slavery, maybe, if that's what they want. Some people want that. So anyway, uh, so that's why I ask you guys to subscribe to stuff because I really think we have to come together and form that coalition of people that just want something different, something better, because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the same old shit. I'm just sick of it. So anyway, you can text the word voice to 31996 to get text alerts when I go live. Text voice to 31996. All right. So let me read this. Um, He says, um, an exchange on a national public radio program in 1998 provides a good example of the irrelevance and vulnerability of black groups that do not have black issues as a focus and priority. A very high official of one of the oldest black civil rights organizations described it as one that has always had black civil rights at its core, but recognized in the changing America, black civil rights cannot be the organization's sole focus. He said, quote, there are new non-white minorities, people of color who are demanding a place in the sun. And even though their agenda is not totally like blacks, we must be prepared to embrace them. He he, he spoke, too, about the long history of extensive white involvement in the organiza- organization and that it must fight for all people of color, such as blacks, Asians and Hispanics, women, senior citizens, homosexuals and even whites, even poor whites. A Hispanic caller named Mike took issue with the black leader. Mike asserted that Hispanics were not people of color and requested that the organization not include Hispanics when it spoke of representing people of color. Mike went on to say that he, his family, and all his Hispanic friends were white and did not want or need the black organization to represent them. If you ever go to South America, you'll be stunned by how racist some of the people are. I go to Colombia. My brother lives in Colombia. They have the white section and the black section of, 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 of town. Just, just so you know, and a lot of times when I when I would see the black people in Medellin, Colombia, they were poor, they were struggling. A lot of them were begging for money, things like that. So, just so you know, 
the racism in, in, in Latin America is actually considered to be worse by many to, than the racism here. So, you, so this idea that you've been fed that all Hispanic people are in the same boat as you, that's just not true. So let me keep going. So the, uh, the, let's see here. So Mike went on to say that he, his family, and all his Hispanic friends were white and did not want or need the black organization to represent them. He said Hispanics and Asians have their own organizations, so why don't blacks just look out for their own people? The black leader challenged the caller to look in the mirror and on his driver's license and tell him what he saw. When the Hispanic caller said, white, I see white, the official of the black organization responded, so we do represent you. White is a color too. Given the dire needs of black Americans, the question is clearly, is it appropriate behavior for a premier civil rights organization to force itself on people who do not want or need its help while black Americans go begging? Our determined but misdirected compassion is one of our greatest impediments to self-empowerment. He's saying that the reason you don't get empowered is because you give so much of yourself that you have nothing left for yourself. We fail to concentrate our resources to empower black Americans. How can black Americans acquire collective wealth and power resources when our lead organizations dissipate our limited resources on civil rights for everybody? A study of material from a number of ethnic, language, religious, and gender minority organizations revealed that none of these groups, none of these groups, none of these groups include blacks in their programs, policies, and activities. In his book, Winning Back America, Mark Green listed all the nation's top minority rights organizations and the only groups that even used the word minority in their program descriptions were black civil rights organizations. Ignoring black people's dilemma by equating them to all so-called aggrieved groups is wrongheaded, whether it is done by whites, blacks, or others. Not only does it give the false impression that all black, all people in this nation have had the same experiences as black people, it also injures and minimizes the impact of centuries of slavery, segregation, and ongoing racism. Worse, it releases white society from its obligations to correct the conditions imposed on blacks. That's why the Democrats don't do anything for you. Our organizations whose agendas have evolved into this kind of scattered focus do not put group self-interest first. However, just as their missions become amorphous over the years, they can regroup, re reassess their organizational direction and change once again. If they choose to be part of the effort to maximize black self-sufficiency and black economic competitiveness, they can refocus their missions to promote and support black group self-interest and self-empowerment and political empowerment as well. So basically what he's saying is that when you are out here taking care of everybody, you're usually going to lose. Especially when you're taking care of everybody and ain't nobody taking care of you. So I'm going to ask a very simple yes or no question. Give me a yes or no question. Hit the thumbs up button too, please. Please hit the thumbs up button. Yes or no. So we out here fighting like hell um, for the Democrats. I'm, I'm typing a little note to my brother and, and um, my business manager because we're supposed to have a meeting. So so we... um. So we're out here fighting for Joe Biden and the Democrats. We fight like hell. We, we dance in the streets. Um, and, okay. So let me ask you this. Do you think that they will be fighting for us in the same way we're fighting for them? Yes or no? Do you think that our loyalty would be rewarded with equal loyalty? Like, do you think that there's going to be an equality there? Like, we always talk about equality. Is there equality... Um, yes or no? Equality in terms of how they would respond to us relative to how we've responded to them. 
Okay, I'm seeing some no's. Good. I'm talking to the right people. Um, and, and if you said yes, I would probably challenge you to say, okay, prove it. All you got to do is prove it. I mean, you ain't got to, you know, we ain't got to argue. Just show me evidence. Do you think there's anything wrong with that? Or do you think that that's the way it's supposed to be? You know, because when you think about white supremacy, white supremacy is predicated on this notion that white people are more important than you. White supremacy is kind of built on a, a, a false idea that they're better than you, that they matter more than you, uh, that black lives can only matter after white lives matter. White, black lives might matter, but white lives matter more. White pe- black people are good at things, but white people are better. So if you, if, if you sign up for this idea that we, we can go to level 10 for them, but they only got to go to level one for us, then why would that not make you a white supremacist? I mean, give me a yes or no if you follow my logic. Give me a yes or no. If I think it's okay for me to give you $10 and for every $10 you give me $1, could, wouldn't that not be considered a form of white supremacy? Yes, is that, does that sound like white supremacy to you? Black people give up 10, white people give up one. Is that, is that, it, it, that sounds like white supremacy, that, that we, we've got to do more, right? Like we believe we should give more. Then, or as Motown House says, the doctrinal unequal exchange. I can tell you, you read Poweronomics. I respect you, brother. Um, I don't do that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not interested in doing that. You know. And and what's interesting as well, this is one of the things that's really utterly fascinating to me. And I think this is the best time to really have these conversations. It, it ain't easy. I've I've lost a lot of friends. I've had I had an old friend. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you something that happened recently. That really hurt my feelings. I mean, it re- I mean, when I say it hurt my feelings, I'm not bullshitting. It really hurt my feelings. I had a friend back at uh, Syracuse University that uh, went through some stuff. He went through some racism or whatever, and um, and I helped him out a lot. I, I I stood by him and all this other stuff. And uh, I hadn't talked to him for years. And uh, and you know, you just go on with your life. And like I left Syracuse years ago, I hadn't talked to the brother in over a decade, I think. And uh, but I didn't know we were still Facebook friends. I have some people that I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't personally know maybe 99% of the people that follow me on Facebook, but I but I respect you. I appreciate you very much. And um, and I and I made a comment about my perspective on the election. You guys know I don't, you know, this I, I don't, I'm not a normal person. I don't think like everybody else. And um, and he literally said something because he, he's a heavy Democrat, or he's a real heavy Democrat, and he says something like, um, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. When did you get to be so stupid? And it really, it, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it really hurt my feelings that, that, that this guy that I knew back in the day that I really, you know, like fought for this guy. Like I really, you know, when I saw his face and I saw he made a comment, I was like, oh man, I haven't talked to him in a while. What did he say? And then I read this way. He's like, when did you get to be so stupid? And that really made me sad. And, um, and of course, you know, you just respond. I just said, well, fuck you too. You know, go on with your life. Um, and, and, and I just moved on, but it still, is just kind of sad that, that that's what we have to go through as black people that, you know, that you're doing something that you think is in the best interest of black people. Like, like you're really trying, like, I'm really trying to like find a solution. Like, I'm really like, okay, how do we really do this? You know, how do we really succeed? And, and, and you get these kinds of nasty remarks. And I think it's easier to, to, accept it when it comes from a stranger but when it comes from like a guy that you thought was your boy it tells you just how deeply embedded and painful 
white supremacy is and that divide and conquer, how terrible it can be to have to go through that. You know, when you get family members, you know, taking each other out and, and people that you've been friends with for 20 years and don't want to talk to you anymore because, and, and why is that? Because the white man I'm voting for is different from the white man you're voting for. Like, and I, and I don't even, and I'm not even voting for Trump. I told you guys who I voted for. I voted for Joe, Joe Jorgensen, the um, libertarian candidate. She seems smart. You know, she's a, she's a, um, a psychologist and has a PhD and, and me and Alicia are both scholars and she's a psychologist. So we actually like this lady. We're like, okay, you know, it's not Biden or Trump. We're not going to vote for Trump, but you know, this lady seems okay. Maybe, you know, a libertarian vote will do. Um, but either way though, it's, it's just kind of this really deeply problematic and insidious sort of thing. And I guess it's just brainwashing, right? Like um, Malcolm X actually said a long time ago, something that I think black folks should listen to. Um, he was talking in 60 years ago, 60 years ago, Malcolm X said, black people have the only voting block in America. You are the only group of people that has the ability to shift an election. The only group of people, he said, white people are evenly divided. They are chopped right down the middle. He said, you're the last group of people that tends to vote for the same party every time. He said, that gives you tremendous leverage. That gives you tremendous power. That gives you an amazing opportunity like you're, you know, to, to really get what you want. You can say, ah, I could go this way or I could go that way, right? It's like dating. You know, like when I give my um, daughter's advice on dating, I tell them, well, I can't tell you who to date or how or why, but I can say that if you create options for yourself, then you can win because then next thing you know, you got two boys competing for your attention and each one is going to step up their game to try to outdo the other one, right? So so when you get in that situation, when you get, to, you know, where, where the girl has two boys that are both good men, let's say that they're both good men, not, so this situation doesn't apply because now you, you got two shitty men that are trying to, <laughs> which makes a whole dynamic, but you got two people competing for you. Well, you can actually play, you know, you, you can do to white folks what they've been doing to you. Uh, that's what they did to the Hutus and the Tutsis. The you know they they got the Hutus and the Tutsis competing against each other. You know to gain uh, butter biscuits from white people. Um, they did it in Vietnam. They had the uh, people from the north and the people from the south. Uh, people that loved each other before, but suddenly they're divided because uh, they're competing uh, based on who gets resources and all this other stuff. So I, I, I think that in general, what Malcolm was saying sixty years ago was that it's ridiculous for you to commit early when you have leverage on your side, when you have an opportunity to get what you deserve, you have an opportunity to demand your reparations. You have an opportunity to demand uh, funding for your businesses. You have an opportunity to demand that all the black men and women who are incarcerated under the crime bill to be released. And you don't do any of that. And so, and so if you look at the word poor, the word poor stands for passing over opportunities repeatedly. So you must ask yourself that question. Do we, we remain poor because we pass over opportunities repeatedly? Here you have a classic massive opportunity. White folks are fighting like crazy, going back and forth. And um, I think that because you're overly empathic, because you have sympathy and empathy for everybody but yourselves, you actually start feeling sorry for them or you start connecting to their pain in a way that they can't connect to your pain, right? Like studies show that doctors and, 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 and teachers or whomever, people don't believe black people feel the same amount of pain. That's why you had those um that slave master doctor who was actually doing these horrible surgeries on black women because they were like, oh, black women don't feel pain. Black people don't feel pain, right? Or they, or they don't feel pain the way we do, right? Well, the same thing is true here. 
uh, you over empathize and over connect to their pain, they under connect to your pain. So when you're going through the pain of growing up in the hood, they don't feel none of that. When you're growing up you know, with the pain of you know your, your daddy getting locked up and sent to prison for 80 years, they can't connect to that. Or you go through the pain of dealing with microaggressions every time you go on the job, they can't connect to that. But when they come to you and they say, oh my God, Donald Trump is scaring me. He's going to ruin the country. He's going to, yeah, everybody, he's going to kill everybody with COVID. He's going to kill them himself. He's going to, he's going to put us in chains. We connect to that. We're like, oh Lord, boss, we sick. We scared, boss. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh, okay. Okay, boss. What can I do? I'm going to put out the fire, boss. I'm going to put out the fire. Okay. Thank you, boy. Thank you. I, I needed your help. Right. And then when you call them, you know, it, it, they don't answer the phone. You know, it's like it's like those bad friendships. You know, you got that friend that'll call you when they need you, but you call them, they're too busy. Or you call, they call you and they got a problem. They'll talk your ear off and you'll listen patiently for, for two hours. And then when you call them with a problem, as soon as you start getting into the good stuff, they they got they got to go. Right. They interrupt you like, like, oh, I'm sorry. I got a my cousin just got here. I'll call you later. And then they never call back. Like everybody's had a friend like that. And there was always that point where you had to maybe consider like maybe it's a self-esteem issue. Why is this person my friend? They're bringing nothing to the table. They're adding nothing. They're they're showing up to dinner every day, but they ain't bringing no food. So 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 I, I, I would say that Malcolm was right. And I think that what's most disappointing about Malcolm's statement uh, is that it was made over 60 years ago. And so when you have somebody that can make a statement in 1961, where he made that statement about voting blocks in 1961, and the problem still exists in the year 2020, I think Malcolm will be very sad. He will be very disappointed in us that we had the same problems in 2020 that we had in 1961. Imagine if your great-great-grandchild told you that you had the same problems in the Black community in the year 2080 or the year 2100 that you had in the year 2020, you would say, my God, we haven't made any progress. Everything I worked for was worthless. And and I think, and so one of the things I think about, since I have a chance to kind of help influence things a little bit, right? I, I don't have the biggest platform in the world, but there are some people that hear what I have to say. Even when they disagree, they, they still listen because they know that there's some element of truth there. Maybe it's a, maybe I'm harsh. Maybe I hurt people's feelings, but they know that there's some truth there. They know I'm not stupid. Um, you know, the, 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 the thing I want to do is make sure that we don't have the same conversations 50 years from now that we are, we're having right now. I don't want my grandchildren to live the same life that we've had to live. And I'm going to just tell, I'll tell you personally that they're not going to live the same life that we've had to live. Cause I, I, the first step I made to, before I started liberating other people was I liberated myself and then I liberated my family. Then I said, I'm going to go out and help the community. Right. I didn't, I didn't put the world in front of my family. I, I, I put my family first. So what I'm saying to you is put your family first. That's it. Take care of you and yours. Make sure that your kids and your grandkids are going to do okay. That means that you don't have to carry white people with you. You don't have to solve the world's problems, right? It means you also don't have to carry some of these Negroes with you. Screw them. Take care of your family. Make sure your kids are good. Let me just, and and, and actually, for the sake of solutions, I'm going to go to the last little piece of this conversation and actually give you solutions. So somebody did, I'm solutions oriented. I think I give a lot of solutions, but somebody did challenge me. And they said, well, what is, what is the black wealth problem and how do we solve that problem? Uh, you know, like, tell me. And, I, and I've talked about it before, but I'm going to actually give you something very specific that I think will make a big difference. Um, so do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. Share and subscribe button. Uh, also, uh, my, I have a, a, spy, a, a, a Spotify podcast. If you ever want to listen via audio, you can go to the, the drvoicebreakdown.com, T-H-E. 
thedrboycebreakdown.com. And you can text the word Boyce to 31996 uh, to get text notifications and things like that. When I go live, you can text Boyce to 31996. Um, one of the basic solutions when you're talking about the wealth gap, none of these people know how to solve the racial wealth gap because white people are not going to solve the racial wealth gap because in order for them to solve the racial wealth gap, they have to give up some of their wealth, right? You know, th- that's one of the reasons why, you know, they're not going to solve it for you because that's like, if, if I have 90% of, of, of the milk and you have 10% and you say, I need more milk. Well, the only way you can get more milk is if I give you more milk. And if I feel like I need all 90%, then why? I'm not giving you none of this. You're going to have to come take this milk. Seriously. Like, like you can, if you're stupid enough to believe me when I tell you, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get, I'll get you. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll, I'll get you some. Right. But if I need, if I need, if I feel like I need what I have or my children need it, you really think I'm going to give it to you? Like you really think if I, if my daughters need the milk and I'm convinced of that, even if I have more milk than you, you really think I'm going to give Imagine if your neighbor was like, you know, you're doing better than me. And I think that we should be doing the same. And so I need you to give me some of your resources that your family needs. I, I need you to take money out of your family bank account and give it to me so we can be the same. How many of y'all would be dumb enough to do that? Give me a yes or no. Would you do that? Or would you say go to hell? Or would you say go get your own, go get your own shit? Or you know, whatever, right? So, so, so that's the dilemma you have when you wait for white people to solve the wealth gap. They're not going to solve it because they have no incentive to do that. Unfortunately, American capitalism and white American capitalism is built on massive, massive, massive greed. Greed is an idea that says, I need every last cookie on the goddamn table. I like a fat kid has greed because he needs that candy bar. He he don't he don't really need it, right? Because you're fat. You're, you're a fat ass. Go to the gym, eat some vegetables. But no, he's like, I need that candy bar. And I will, I will, if you're not strong enough to take it from me, then I'm gonna get the candy bar, right? So that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with with not just regular white people, you're dealing with capitalist white people who where money is their guide. And, and, and think about this. Can you really take away somebody's God? Can you take away their Jesus? Right. Go to my mama and try to take Jesus away from my mama. And my mother will kill you for her Jesus. She will not let you take her Jesus away. Right. So capitalism is money is the God of the capitalists. Right. I'm, that's why I'm not a capitalist, because I can't worship money like that. But America is a country built on capitalism to the point that they were willing to enslave other human beings for 250 years to make a bigger profit. <laughs> you don't think that that caused an ethical dilemma at some point? They had to do a whole lot of self-brainwashing and reconcile a whole lot of conflicting value systems in order to come to the conclusion that it's okay to enslave a person from birth till death, but they did it anyway. So the point I want to make here is that you have to solve the racial wealth gap. You have to solve this. They're not going to do it for you. They're not going to do it for you. You know, so what I would say to you is this. Here's what I would say to you. If you want to solve the racial wealth gap, look, I told you, know, I, I, I reiterate that finance is my thing. I say it a lot. The reason I say it a lot is because sometimes people are new and they're like, who is this guy? Who's this asshole running his mouth? I, so if you ever think that I'm just being an arrogant prick by repeatedly stating that I have a PhD in finance, maybe you can think that, but I do it because I want to make sure people know that this is different kind of information. This is not a guy who just has an opinion. This is based on science, research, data, going through, you know, thousands of gigabytes of data over many, many years, 
you know, that tens of thousands of hours of study on this exact issue. Right. So I'm not just Al Sharpton giving a sermon. I'm a financial scientist breaking the shit down for you so you'll understand exactly what the hell this is. The typical white family has a wealth level of about one hundred and seventy seven thousand dollars. That's the family, not the individual, the whole family. Any black person in America, no matter how poor you are, if you simply have a parent that loves you enough to invest in the stock market consistently for you every month, not a ton of money, but literally less money than they probably will spend on a car note, um, less money than they'll even spend on fast food, less money than they might spend on clothes and and looking stylish because black folks like to be stylish. I'm not stylish at all. That probably saved me a million dollars. Not trying to trying to be fly. I ain't trying to be fly. I don't care about being fly. I'm literally okay with being the corny nerd or the corniest dressed person in the room. That does not bother me at all. Saved me a lot of money. Thank you, mama, for teaching me that right when I was a kid. Um, If you had a parent that just loved you enough to do that from the time you're you're a child to to your adulthood and they did it consistently, it's very easy for that child to have more wealth than the median white American family in one generation. Literally, literally, not the, and not even family wealth. This is individual. You, your child could individually have more wealth than the median entire white family just by doing that from the time they're born to the time they're about 25 or 30 years old. Wealth gap gone. No racial wealth gap at all. Racial wealth gap might exist over there because them Negroes want to buy Cavassier and Hennessy and Air Jordans. It don't exist in your family because your child has had somebody invest for him since he was a kid. Number two, if you want your now that's got you caught up. Now you're caught up with white people. Now you want to go past white people. I don't want to, I don't like equality. I don't want to catch up. I want to win. I want to, I want to dominate. So here's the other thing. Once you get done being on the defensive, right? A lot of black folks are raised to be very defensive. We're raised to be scared. We're, we're constantly in struggle-nomics mode. We can't play power-nomics if you're always playing struggle-nomics. You can't score points if you're always on defense, right? So now that you're not on defense anymore, now you play offense. Now you start going to conquer. So how does your child go conquer? Well, you conquer because you, you do the opposite of the word poor. Poor means passing over opportunities repeatedly. So the opposite of passing over opportunities repeatedly and being poor is taking advantage of every opportunity when you see it. But even before you can take advantage of every opportunity when you see it, you need to know where the opportunities are and how to identify those opportunities. Some of our people couldn't see an opportunity if it kicked them in the face. Some of our people could literally have a $10 million opportunity flash right in front of their eyes and they won't even see it because they don't even know what an opportunity looks like. They've never been trained to identify opportunities that don't come in the form of a job application. That's why you have the bad economic culture. You got Negroes that will get 10,000 likes on a Facebook post saying, I got the job. That right there says a lot about the culture. They say, I started a business. People think that's crazy and stupid. But you say, I got the job. Everybody goes crazy because you got a job culture. And, and, And job culture means that you are keenly capable of identifying when jobs are available, but you can't see when opportunities are available. You're not able to see that. You can't see the million dollar opportunity, but you're wired in on the $5,000 opportunity. You're wired in on the little money, but you can't see the big money. It goes right past you every single day. 
billions and trillions in commerce flies past you every day because you were never trained on how to identify what economic opportunities look like and where they're at. Let me tell you a little story about entrepreneurs, good ones. Good entrepreneurs can find money anywhere. Good entrepreneurs can go to the poorest hood in America, watch the behavior of the people in the poorest hood in America and say, oh, yeah, I can make a crazy amount of money here. Oh, everybody wants to go to the liquor store. OK, we're going to set up uh, Hammurabi's liquor right here on the corner so we can catch all this traffic coming through from all the people that want to buy their liquor. Oh, wait, the, oh, all these people are eating Popeye. They, they want to eat Popeye's chicken. Let's get a Popeye's chicken franchise and we're going to set up right here and uh, and I'm going to play hip hop music and I'm going to get all the black people come through and they're going to buy chicken all day. And I'm going to be playing the game up here and they don't even see it because they're all playing the game down here. All they're thinking about is trying to get the chicken with the good butter biscuits to go with it. And I'm up here counting my money in the back. Or, oh, everybody wants to go out and go to the club. Okay, I'm going to open up a nightclub. I know exactly how. I Okay, people, wait, the consumer, we studied the consumer. We did our analysis. Okay, they're willing to spend up to $200 for a bottle of Cobassier. Okay, well, we're going to sell as many bottles as we can, right? So so, so the, 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 the point of the matter is to say that if you want your children to really be wealthy, send them to business school as early as they go to football camp. You know, the, the systems produce what they're designed to produce. We have thousands of systems all across this country designed to produce black basketball and football players. That's why you got, you got, you got basketball players, football players, and rappers everywhere because you have systems that produce those things. You need systems that will produce entrepreneurs and wealth builders. You need systems that will produce people who can spot opportunities. So my argument for black people is that if you want to close this wealth gap and then create a new gap, the new gap is where you're actually winning and not falling behind is you... Um, invest for your kids early, small amounts of money on a consistent basis, train them to be entrepreneurs at an early age, also create a cultural norm where property ownership, make them a little bit greedy, make them want to own things, make them see ownership as a core value, not income, not getting the job, owning the job, owning the company, owning the asset, make them see that as the way to be successful. That's why I take, I take, you know, you take pride in what you own, not in what you borrowed, not in what you owe. And there's a few other details in there, like student loans. That's another big issue, right? That makes white people rich and black people poor, but we can talk about that later. But just those two things alone that I just laid out there, if you do that, then your family won't have a, a racial wealth gap issue. Your children won't be running around talking about, you know, how hard it is to be black and there's no wealth in the community, whatever. There's wealth fucking everywhere. You just don't know how to pick it up because you're too busy being a goddamn slave. That's just what it is. Anyway, I didn't mean to be mean at the end. I'm sorry about the cussing, but this bothers me. It bothers me that that the norm, the culture that's being perpetuated to you is a destructive culture. It is a harmful culture. And so I don't really care about the people that are mad at me for saying what I said the way I said it. Go try the things that I've laid out for you, and I guarantee that they're going to work. Your children will not be in the struggle. So don't go waiting for these fools. You go do you. You go take care of you and yours. Get yourself on top. That's how you win. Okay, guys. So I got to go. I'm late for my meeting. I'm literally 24 minutes late. There's my Twitter if you want to follow me on Twitter. And also, uh, just so you guys know, um, if you are interested, we have a Black Business School for Children in the Black Business School. It's blackmillionairesoftomorrow.com. So feel free to go take a look. The first month costs a dollar. 
there's a 30 day 100 money back guarantee so feel free to go to black millionaires or tomorrow if you're interested um i, I don't cuss in front of the kids so don't worry about that but feel free to go take a look but it, it was it's, it's a really good program and it was designed in a specific way to achieve a specific goal so if you don't have everything you need that's okay like you just just push the culture just believe in this you know if you believe in this and you push a certain culture and a certain ideology to your children they're going to embrace that and they're going to be different from all the other kids they're not going to be caught up in this whole get a job go in debt kind of culture because that's what's killing black people and then everybody dances when we win an election and i'm like what are you dancing for what 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 where show me progress show me you know something that's actually going to make a difference so anyway um i gotta go uh also if you text the word voice to 31996 text voice to 31996 you get text alerts when i go live and i gotta go to this meeting so i will see you guys soon take care have a great day and hit the thumbs up button if you could on your way out i would appreciate that very much i'll see you soon take care bye-bye